You can have a seat. We're in the middle of this series we're calling Character, and we've been looking at the life of Joseph and some of the characteristics that he has and that he showed in his life. And he wasn't a guy who was perfect, but he did have some characteristics that we should try to add to our life. You know, Joseph was a guy who had self-control. He was somebody who was authentic. He was somebody who was courageous. And today we're going to talk about how he was humble. You know, the opposite of humility is pride. And it's really, really easy for us to be prideful, isn't it? Especially when it comes to the skills that we're good at. If we're good at a certain thing, it's easy for us to be very prideful about that. Do you know what the number one fear in the world is? The number one fear in the world is public speaking. That's what I'm doing right now. The number two fear in the world is dying. Most people would say that they're more afraid to speak in front of a crowd than die. Now, maybe that's not really true. Okay, maybe they wouldn't actually rather die than speak in front of people. But that just goes to show you how scared people get over the concept of standing in front of a group of people and talking. For me, that's totally fine. It doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm wired this way. I thrive in this role. I'm comfortable with that. And it's easy for me then to become prideful about that. You know, after I give a talk, and James will relate to this, after you give a sermon or you give a lesson, anybody who speaks in front of a crowd, sometimes people come up to you afterwards. And they'll say, oh man, that was so great what you said. Or, wow, what a great sermon. What a great lesson. Or, and when you hear those comments, it becomes very easy to be prideful about that and to think, yeah, I'm super awesome. <laughs> right? So let me let you into my world. Here's what I do when people do that, because sometimes that'll happen after a sermon. Somebody will say something nice to me. And, and so here's what I do. I always tell the person, thank you, because it's really nice what they said. But then in my head, I talk to God and I just say, Glory to God. That's what I do in my head. Out loud I say thank you, because they're really nice what they said. But in my head I say glory to God. Because it helps me kind of keep it in perspective and help me understand that it's not about me, it's about God instead. It's really easy for us to be prideful about things, and it's super difficult to be humble. Okay, I want us to get kind of on the same playing field here right away today. Humility is a word that's often misunderstood. Okay, a lot of times when we think about humility, we think about um, kind of down, downplaying our strengths. You know, when something good happens to us, maybe you get promoted at work or somebody notices you did a really great job, you make a comment like, well, I just got lucky this time. Or it just kind of worked out in my favor this time. I'm not really that good at it. You know, I just, I got the promotion because, you know, I've just been here the longest. Somebody retired, so they just moved me up. We downplay what we're good at. That's not humility. That's just talking bad about yourself. You know, that's just putting yourself down. That's just having a lower self-esteem. That's not being humble. It's okay to be good at certain things. God made each of us to be good at different things. It's okay for other people to recognize the stuff you're good at. It's okay for them to reward you for that. It's okay for you to get a promotion. It's okay for you to get a raise, right? Amen? It's okay for good things to happen to you. And it's okay when people notice that. 
Okay? The difference is you realize it's not about you. Okay? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, talking yourself down, saying you're not that, really that great at stuff. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. It's a mindset that says you before me. Humility is a state of heart. It's a state of mind where you live and operate out of a mindset of you before me. That's humility. But in our culture, it's really, really difficult to do that, isn't it? You see, in, in our day and time, it's really, really easy to be me first. To have a me first prideful mentality. In fact, our culture encourages a me first mentality. I mean, just think about the world around us, okay? Think about television, movies, music, celebrities. Everything is me first. We're taught through all this media that if you want to become rich and famous, you've got to have a me first mentality. You've got to make it all about you. Think about sports. They have this me first mentality. I'm so great and I'm so awesome. We're taught that that's what you're supposed to do. Our culture makes it really, really easy to be me first. Okay, think about social media. Okay. Social media started, does anyone know what the first social media website was? Okay, there's a little bit of a debate over it, but most people agree that it was uh, Six Degrees, was the name of the first social media website in 1997. And it was based off the theory of the Six Degrees of Separation. If you've heard of that theory, you know that that's the theory that says that you can connect yourself to anybody in the world through six relationships or less. Meaning that I could connect myself to, say, Oprah Winfrey in six relationships or less. So I know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Oprah. And that was how social media was born. This idea of I want to connect to certain people. Okay? And, and along the way, that's kind of got morphed into this let me show off how great my life is thing. A lot of social media is where we post stuff that makes us look really, really good, isn't it? And think about the last thing you posted on social media. It was probably a picture of you that looked good. Or it was probably something about your kids that they won or something that made them look really good. It was some highlight in your life, something good that happened to you, right? You didn't post something bad about yourself. Right? We post the good stuff about ourselves, and it encourages this prideful thing. Maybe we even often check our social media to see how many people have liked our last post since the last time we checked our social media, right? We do that because it's about us, and we want to feel good about ourselves. We want validation from that. It encourages this me-first mentality. Think about our families, Sometimes it's easy to have a me-first, prideful mentality in our families. Okay, think about your kids. Your kids probably operate from a me-first mentality a lot of the time, don't they? When we're young, we have this me-first mentality because it's the only part of the world that we can understand is ourselves. 
When you were a kid, if you had siblings, you get this. Okay, because there's always a me first thing with siblings going on, right? There's always a rivalry. There's always competition. There's always fighting. I have a brother. He's two years older than me. His name's Matt, and Matt and I always fought over everything growing up. There was always a competition between the two of us. And you know what? Most of the time, he always won. He was two years older. He was bigger than me. He was faster than me. He's stronger than me, right? He's got the advantage because he's got two years on me. So he would always win. And one of the areas he would always win at is video games. Like, man, he was always so much better than me at video games. Every game we played, I lost. I never beat him in video games except one time. This one time, we were staying the night at our grandparents' house and they took us to a blockbuster video store to rent a video game. And we got there and my brother and I took off running for the Sega Genesis aisle. Okay, oh baby, this is where Sega Genesis was in, okay? The remote had like two buttons on it, A and B, and that's it. It's not like the complicated stuff you guys got nowadays. And we would look for a video game to rent, and this one time we were trying to find one we hadn't played before. And we finally found a soccer video game. Neither of us played soccer in real life, neither of us had played this video game before, and so I thought, okay, equal playing ground. I've, I've got a chance at this one. So we get the game, we get home, we run to the basement, plug it in, we start playing, and it turns out I beat him. One to nothing. Hey, it was a win, all right? And I was super, super proud of myself, man, so much so I remember it to this day in detail how it all went down because I was so excited about I had finally beaten my brother at something. And just this past New Year's, I spent the night at his house uh, to ring in the new year and for old time's sake, after his wife and his son went to sleep, we played video games. And he let me pick out which game we were going to play. And there was a soccer one. Oh, I was so excited. I thought, man, I've got him, right? I got a good history here. I got a good track record. And we played, and he beat me. <laughs> it didn't work out how I thought it was. And then he was like, all right, we can play one more game. So we played basketball, okay, 2K17 NBA basketball. And... We played, it was a close game, back and forth the whole way. And in the end, I barely won. And I was so proud of myself, man. I was so super excited. But you know what? The way I tell that story just now, that makes it come out as if I like, came out on top at the end because I won the basketball game, which he's supposed to be better at. But I left out certain details to make me sound better. Don't we do that sometimes when we tell stories? We tell stories at work or with our friends, and like the story in itself is true, but we exaggerate some of the details so that maybe we sound a little better, or we hide back some of the details so we don't look bad. See, I did beat my brother in that video game, but the part I didn't tell you was that he was playing as the current day Chicago Bulls, who are a really bad team. I'm a Bulls fan, but it's okay. They're a really bad team right now. And I was playing as the 95-96 Chicago Bulls, <laughs> which is arguably the best basketball team to ever play. This was Michael Jordan in his prime. So the whole game, I just gave it to MJ and just let him do his thing. And I still only barely won still, okay? That just tells you the skill level and competition. But sometimes we tell stories and we leave certain details out so that we come out looking a little bit better 
than the whole truth would be. You know, our culture encourages a me-first mentality in social media, with our siblings, with our family, at work, everywhere we look, it's me first. And we know we're not supposed to be like that as followers of Jesus. We know we're supposed to be humble, but it's really, really difficult to do. And Joseph understood this whole thing too, okay? Joseph was a guy who, who always had a you-before-me mentality, okay? He had siblings too, and, and I know we've been going through his story the last couple weeks at church, so maybe you know parts of Joseph's story. But today I just want to point out the main points for today that we need to know, okay? Joseph grew up, he had a bunch of siblings, and he was his parents' favorite. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. Because you know that you are your parents' favorite growing up, right? And some of you would be like, no, that's definitely my sibling. My sibling is totally the favorite. He or she can get away with anything, right? And that was Joseph. He was the favorite. Okay, so much so that one day all of the brothers are out working in the field, and Joseph's not out working. He's at home, just hanging out. Everybody else is out working, and he's at home, dressed in his nice robe, that was made for him, a robe that signified he was the favorite and that signified he was special. And his dad asked him to go out into the field and check on the brothers and see how he was doing. That was his only job, to go check on the workers. So basically he's like the supervisor, the foreman, right, the manager. He's just going to check on the workers. And as the brothers see him coming, they start to scheme a plan because they're angry with him. And they decide they want to beat him up. Okay, so when he gets there, they decide to beat him up, and their first thought was to kill him. It's pretty intense, right? Beating up, we can understand. Siblings fight, don't they? We understand that. That's reasonable. That happens. They wanted to kill him, and then they saw people going by, and they decided, you know what? Instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery. At least we'll get some money out of it. That's pretty intense stuff, to sell your sibling into slavery, even if you don't like your sibling, you probably wouldn't sell them into slavery. Like, that's next level hatred <laughs> towards a sibling. But that's what they've got going on. So they sell them into slavery. Okay, fast forward a couple years. Joseph is a slave, and all throughout while he's being a slave, he does a great job. He's humble about his position. He works hard. He does the right thing. He, he does exactly what the leaders tell him to do. He, anything he touches prospers. He always comes out on top. And the leaders take notice of that, and they decide, you know what, this guy, he's pretty awesome. We should put him in charge of stuff because he's doing such a great job. And throughout the years, Joseph continues to go up and up in leadership, and eventually he's in charge of a bunch of people. He goes from slave to being in charge in Egypt. Now he's one of the top people, one of the leaders. He's a person that walks into a room and commands respect. When he enters a room, everybody looks at him. When he orders people to do something, they do it. He's got the money that he needs. He's got the resources that he needs. His life's turned out pretty good, right? And then one day, his brothers visit Egypt. See, there was a famine in the land. Okay, think like Great Depression here. And there's a famine in the land. There's no money. There's no food. And the brothers and their family are desperate for help. 
So they go to the government for help. They go to Egypt. But they have no idea Joseph's there, let alone in charge. For all they know, Joseph's a slave somewhere in the world. Maybe he's dead. He definitely would never be the guy that's in charge. And all they do is they enter this area and they enter this room and there's some leader in front of them and he's dressed in the Egyptian attire and they can't really make out who he is because he's got all this stuff on. And so they don't realize that it's Joseph. They haven't seen Joseph in years and years and years and years. So they can't recognize him. But Joseph recognizes the brothers. And I can just imagine in that moment Joseph feeling all of these mixed emotions. As soon as those brothers walked in the door, he probably started having flashbacks to his childhood. The first thing he probably thought of was about how he was sold into slavery by them. I'm sure he feels anger. But then he probably also thought about the good times he had with his brothers. I'm sure they played together. I'm sure they did have some good moments. So maybe there's some happiness mixed in. He probably thought about his dad who he loved, who he hasn't seen in years. So he probably had some sadness. He wondered if his dad was even still alive. So he's got all these mixed emotions going on. And then this is what he does, okay? In Genesis chapter 45, Joseph decides what he's going to do, and he yells out, have everyone leave my presence. Okay, think about like a TV show. You ever watch a TV show or a movie, and you see like maybe the president or some leader and he's talking to somebody in a room, and there's other people there, and he says, give us the room, and everyone leaves immediately. This is how it went. Joseph is the guy in charge, and he says, give us the room. Everyone leave my presence. Everybody else, except for my brothers, leave, because I need to tell them something. And this, and this is what he does. It says that Joseph wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. That's the people he just kicked out of the room. He was weeping so loud that they could hear him through the door, that they can hear him through the walls. That's how emotional Joseph gets in this moment. Now, if Joseph had a me-first mentality, the rest of this story would have went completely different. But Joseph was a guy who said, you before me. And this is what Joseph did. Verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. Because it was to save the lives that God sent me here ahead of you. Joseph says, don't be angry. Don't be worried. I know you think I'm probably mad at you, but I'm not. In that moment, Joseph decides to forgive his brothers and then to also help his brothers. To go even a step further. I mean, Joseph could have been really angry in that moment, yelled, kicked his brothers out, said, how dare you come and ask me for help after you selling me into slavery? He could have forgiven his brothers. He could have said, okay, it's been years. I get what you did. I forgive you. But you know what? Don't ask me for help. Go somewhere else. Right? I forgive you, but I'm not going to go out of my way 
to be nice to you now. Instead, Joseph says, you before me. I forgive you, and I'm going to help you. I understand that my life is not about me. It's not about me being first. It's about God. And God put me here in this position so that I could help myself out and I could help my family out. See, Joseph was able to be humble all through being a slave and as a leader. And because of it, God honors him and takes care of him and his family. Joseph chooses this me, or this you before me mentality. And we know that we're supposed to do that too, right? I mean, we know we're supposed to be humble. We know we're supposed to say you before me to people. But it's really, really difficult to do. It's a whole lot easier to say me first. It's a whole lot easier to be prideful. Okay? Our culture encourages it. Social media encourages it. It's encouraged in the workplace. If you want to get a promotion, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, you've got to be me first. You've got to put your best self out there. You've got to talk yourself out make connections. Everything in our world says me first. Jesus says you before me. This is such an important concept that Jesus himself talked about this. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Jesus said, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus was saying, hey, those of you who honor yourself, who walk around as trying to be the best person, who have a me-first mentality, God is going to make sure to humble you. He's going to bring you back to reality, and it's not going to be pretty. But then on the flip side, he says, all of those who will be humble themselves and have a you-before-me mentality, God will honor those people. We learn from Joseph's life that being humble leads to more peace. And when we're humble, Joseph was able to have peace with his brothers. He was able to have peace with himself because he was proud of how he treated people. And we learn from Joseph's life that when you're humble, you're ultimately honored by God. And the same is true for us today. Even in a culture that says me first, if you'll choose to follow Jesus' advice of humbling yourself, of saying you before me, God will honor you and you will have more peace. So for us, that means at home with our families, it's you before me. With our spouse, with our children, with our parents, it's you before me. At work, with your coworkers, with your boss, with your subordinates, it's you before me. Students at school, with your classmates, with your teachers, it's you before me. The mindset of Joseph and the mindset of Jesus says you before me. And if you will do that, God will honor you and you will have more peace in your life. And if you ask me, that's worth saying you before me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for the story of Joseph and that we have it and that we can read it and study it and learn from it. Thank you that he showed us humility. 
Please help us as we try to apply that to our lives in a culture that encourages me first. A lot of times we want to be me first. It's our default. Lord, help us to choose to put you first and to put other people first as we live a life that says you before me. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There's probably no greater example of you before me than the cross. Jesus, who was God, lived his life as if he didn't need to be treated as God. He walked around as a servant to others. He washed his disciples' feet. He carried his own cross and he went to Calvary and he died for each one of us so that we could be with him and our Father forever in eternity. Jesus was on the cross thinking, you before me. If you've never accept, accepted that gift of salvation, we'd invite you to do that today by coming forward during this next song. Or maybe you've done that before and you just would love to have a church home. And for you and your family, you've decided this is the place. We'd welcome you to come forward in this next song as well. Would you stand as we sing our invitation?